Infertility affects approximately one in eight couples. While it's often thought about as a female reproductive issue, couples can also struggle to conceive due to male factor infertility. In honor of Movember, or Men's Health Awareness Month, Dr. Samuel Olander, a board-certified urologist at Fertility Centers of Illinois and a specialist in reproductive urology, is here to discuss symptoms, causes, and what you can do about male factor infertility. This is the Time to Talk Fertility podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Howell. Dr. Olander, so nice to have you with us today. Yeah, Deborah, thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this. Happy Movember. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right. If it's all right with you, let's dive right in. I'm going to ask you, what are the causes of male infertility? Oh, there's so many of them. I could go on and on for, for a long time talking about this, but there's, yeah. I'll, I'll kind of break it down into certain categories. There can be genetic components, so deletions within certain chromosomes or extra chromosomes. There can be mutations in certain genes. There can be hormonal abnormalities like low testosterone or elevated prolactin levels, which are hormones secreted by, by little glands at various points in your body. There can be anatomical abnormalities like dilated veins within the scrotum called a varicocele or an absence vast deference, that tube that carries the sperm away from the testicle, things from childhood like an undescended testicle. And then there can be functional issues too. I mean, in order to, to conceive, you need to be able to function. So things like erectile dysfunction or ejaculatory dysfunction, there can be what we call in medicine iatrogenic causes, which means things we do that cause infertility. So things like chemotherapy, radiation, testosterone therapy, a vasectomy, things like that. And unfortunately, oftentimes, too, it's just unexplained. We don't always have the answer as much as we wish that we did. Okay, that's fair. Are there genetic or aging issues that hurt male fertility? Yeah, these are two these are two issues that are getting a lot of attention these days because we're continuing to learn more and more about them. Genetic components I kind of hit on a little bit when we were as, as mentioning those causes. Some of the more common ones are, are deletions within the Y chromosome, which is the male chromosome, or abnormalities in, in just the number of chromosomes. A disorder called Klinefelter's is one common example. That's where men carry an extra X chromosome. So instead of 46 chromosomes in X and Y, there are 47 chromosomes in XXY. And then being a carrier for cystic fibrosis can be a, a genetic abnormality as well, where if you're a carrier, a male carrier of cystic fibrosis, sometimes you don't develop your vas deferens, that tube that carries the, the sperm away from the testicles. And then if we're talking about age, we're getting to learn more about that, too. We've always known kind of about the female age side of things, but we're learning more about the male side of things, too. And a lot of the studies don't show a magic number, a magic age, because guys just continue to, to crank out sperm as, as they continue to, to age. But there is decline in, in certain semen parameters starting in the 30s, but more commonly cited around the age of 40. And then there can be increased risk of, of rare disorders, so things like autism some schizophrenia, some things like that. I always explain to my patients that these, these are rare disorders, so they aren't, they aren't real significant rises or real common disorders, but there are, there are increased risks. Right. And how common is male infertility? So it's, it's about 50% of couple infertile couples have a male factor component, 50 to 60%. So it, it's a pretty common component to, 
to fertility in general. Now, strictly or sole male factor is probably going to be closer to 20 to 30 percent of cases, but it, it, it is, a, is, is a component of infertility in, in many couples. Okay. And what are the symptoms, if any, of male infertility? Yeah, I'm glad you said if any, because oftentimes there aren't. A lot of times guys will be finding out about their, their fertility status when, the, when they're struggling to conceive and they're undergoing some testing. They don't have really any symptoms whatsoever. If guys do have some symptoms, it could be things that go back to kind of those functional components that I talked about. Things like erectile dysfunction or ejaculatory dysfunction. What I mean by ejaculatory dysfunction is when a guy has an orgasm, it might be an instance where the amount of fluid that comes out is very small or, or maybe there's nothing that comes out with an orgasm or they have difficulty achieving an orgasm. Other symptoms might be symptoms associated with hormonal abnormalities. So fatigue, low sex drive, decreased energy levels. And then, you know, things that guys might pick up and their own self-examinations is you know, if they have real small testicles, that might be a, a clue that something is, is underlying. Okay. Now, with so many variables that you've outlined for us, how is male fertility diagnosed? So usually when a guy's coming in, one of the main steps is going to be getting a semen analysis. That gives us kind of a snapshot of that moment of of what what the ejaculate looks like, how much fluid is coming out within that fluid, how much sperm is there, and of that sperm that there, that's there, is it modal? Is it moving around and swimming the way that we would expect it to be? So that's one of the most utilized tests in terms of understanding a guy's reproductive potential. Otherwise, we'll oftentimes order some blood work, hormonal evaluation, and rare instances to testing like genetic testing or or certain aspects of of imaging ultrasounds may be used as well. But otherwise, real big component and, and step one, in addition to that semen analysis, actually preceding that semen analysis is just a good old history and physical examination, getting us the information to help us determine what might be going on. Got it. Now, when it comes to sperm count, what's a normal range? So, so normal is, is a funny term with semen analyses, and, and this is where I can sometimes get into a long explanation with my patients because I do try to educate on what a semen analysis is showing. With semen analyses, what, what they're compared against, once your numbers are compared against, is a reference range. So it's not really a clear normal range. And, and to k- try to keep this short, but what the World Health Organization did is they took about 2,000 guys who achieved a pregnancy naturally within, within a year. They took their semen analyses, and then they took the bottom fifth percentile on each each category, and that's what our quote-unquote normal threshold represents. So it's not really above it, you're fertile, below it, you're infertile. And to be honest, it's not really above it, you're, you're normal, below it, you're abnormal. It just gives us an idea of your, your reproductive potential. So if we're talking about where that count is and the concentration of sperm and where that threshold lies, it's around 15 million per milliliter. So 15 million sperm per milliliter of ejaculate. Okay. And can you tell us more about sperm morphology or shape of sperm? Yeah, so, so the shape of the sperm is another interesting thing. And it's probably, well, I tell my patients it's oftentimes the least concerning of my factors on a semen analysis. And that's, that's because it's, it, it's not great at, at predicting reproductive outcomes, meaning how a, how a patient might have success with regards to natural conception, intrauterine insemination, or in vitro fertilization. It's, it's an assessment of about 200 sperm is how they do it. They do a smear and a slide and assess 200 sperm for perfect criteria. 
the vast majority of sperm get classified as abnormal. There's very, very few ideal sperm. And so, you know, it's one of those tests that I think has certain aspects of relevance, but it's one of those that I rarely make my treatment decisions solely on sperm morphology. Okay. And now the nitty gritty. What's a common fertility treatment protocol for a man with infertility? Yeah, and that's another good question because it all comes down to the diagnosis. So, you know, if it's sexual dysfunction, there's medications we can use to help along with that. If it's an issue of hormonal imbalances, we have certain medications that can stimulate the production of hormones. For an example, something if if you have low testosterone, there's certain medications that we can use to to induce your own natural production of testosterone, which I think we'll touch on here here shortly a little bit deeper. If there's something like an abnormal dilation of of veins within the scrotum called a varicocele, we can do a surgical repair of things there. So there's a lot of different treatments and ultimately it just comes down to what the what the underlying etiology might be. And just to make a note, you know, one of these things with these treatments is a lot of them are what we call off-label, meaning that the medications that we use, this isn't necessarily their FDA approved use, but, but these medications that we're using off-label for the most part have been used for decades very safely, very effectively to accomplish improvements in, in fertility. Okay, good to know. What should men know about testosterone supplementation and their fertility? So the most important thing to know is that if you're taking testosterone, and I mean by actual testosterone, so injections, gels, patches, and they even have some some oral forms that are coming out, it's one of the most studied drugs for male birth control. So testosterone, when you're taking it from outside your body, it shuts down your own production of testosterone. And so with doing that, it shuts down sperm production too. So I think guys think that testosterone, oh, it's, a, it's a masculinizing medication. It's going to boost my you know, fertility potential. But in fact, it has that, that opposite effect. And, and the rule is that it drops your sperm counts to, to zero or close to it. There are, there are certain exceptions, but it can, it can greatly, greatly impair a man's fertility potential and can, can medically make him, him sterile in many instances. That is very eye-opening. I did not know that. So how common is low sex drive or erectile dysfunction with fertility issues? So I think that one thing guys don't understand is how common erectile dysfunction is in just in general. So, you know, one in five guys over the age of 20 has some degree of erectile dysfunction. So it, it, it's not even necessarily fertility related. It's in that reproductive age. There, there are components of erectile dysfunction. That being said, we see it quite a bit within within reproductive care. The dynamics of sex change. You know, it's it's not this spontaneous event that's just occurring at a whim. You know, it's a lot more planned. You have you have a window where where your fertility potential is kind of optimal, and so you're planning these events. You're you know, it's it's very much a scheduled activity more than a spontaneous activity. So with that, guys oftentimes can struggle to achieve or maintain their erections. So we see quite a bit of it and we treat quite a bit of it. And and one thing to know too is that once guys have an issue one time, they're going to think about it the next time. They get in their heads. That's pretty darn common for guys is is to to overthink things, especially when it comes down to to erections. Low sex drive kind of goes in, in with that as well. If, if you're struggling with, with your ability to achieve or maintain an erection, your desire drops a little bit because you're, you're just not as competent. And then some of the hormonal abnormalities that I discussed, the, the low testosterone and things like that can be associated with, with decreased libido or sex drive. Completely understandable. Are there prescription medications or supplements that can hurt male fertility? Yes, yeah, so we discussed 
testosterone and how that can that can negatively impact fertility. So, you know, the the gels, the injections, the topicals, and some of the oral agents, those those can have a negative impact. Other things that can have a negative impact. It's a common medication used in this age group of guys. Is finasteride has has the potential to decrease uh, fertility potential. Finasteride is a medication that has two primary uses: one for enlarged prostate, but the reproductive age use that we see more common is for hair loss. Guys will use a low dose of finasteride for that. And while the low dose has less of an impact on on semen parameters and hormones and ejaculate volume, it still does have that potential. So it's a medication that I do discourage guys from from using. Otherwise, you know, medications like tamsulosin, which is it's a medication used for urination that can cause what's called retrograde ejaculation, where instead of the the, re- the ejaculate going out the end of the penis, it goes backwards into the bladder. If it's going to the bladder, you can't get somebody pregnant. So that can impact things as well. And then with regards to supplements, I think it, the, the biggest thing I tell my patients is just be careful. Certain things like tea boosters is something that I, I caution them from using. Reason being on that is a lot of these just aren't regulated for the purity. And, and the recent study has shown that about 10% of these uh, supplements that are their tea boosters or advertised as tea boosters actually contain ingredients that have been found to decrease a man's testosterone. So you just need to be careful in what you're using. Okay. Now, women get this all the time, but how does extra weight affect male fertility? Yeah, so the, the scrotum is outside the body because it likes to be there. And there's a reason for it. Is it the, the testicles like to be a little bit cooler than the rest of the body, and that's how they function optimally, as a temperature that's a little bit lower than, than the normal body temperature. So when guys carry a little extra weight, a lot of guys carry it in their inner thighs, their lower abdomen, and things get hot down there. And that can impact spermatogenesis or the production of sperm. And then even for some guys, the scrotum gets tighter up to the body and the testicles are almost a little bit more inside the body. So that's one way is, is just the heat factor of things can can decrease sperm production. Another thing is, is testosterone, which is still integral to, to sperm production. I, I don't want the misconception being that testosterone is not an important hormone because it, it is. It just needs to be your own testosterone, not from outside the body. So your own testosterone gets converted to estrogen and fat. And so if you're carrying a lot more fat, you're converting potentially more testosterone over to estrogen, which then has a has an impact on your, your hormonal loop in terms of kind of shutting down the, the hormonal cycle and the stimulation of, of the testicles for sperm and, and testosterone production. Now, is there anything a man can do to boost his fertility? Yeah, the, the biggest thing that I, I tell my patients is just, you know, live a healthy lifestyle. So, you know, don't all of a sudden try to pick up binge drinking or heavy partying or anything along those lines. You know, if you're a smoker, try to quit smoking. Smoking can have a negative impact on semen parameters and and hormonal aspects of things. Regular exercise is is a good thing as well. And then the guys oftentimes ask about diet and, and there's not necessarily a specific fertility diet that I recommend. But things that I, what I would say to my patients is a heart-healthy diet is oftentimes a, a fertility-healthy diet. So things like plant-based diets can be pretty darn good, as well as Mediterranean diets, heavier on the, the fish and the chicken, the vegetables, than, than it is on red meat, which sometimes can be a little bit more pro-inflammatory and things along those lines. So, you know, I, what I say is just live a healthy lifestyle. 
And, and then just one of the last things is guys will always ask about stress, and that stress is inherent to this whole process. There's not really a way that we can we can just say, hey, hey, try to relax. That's that's not a realistic recommendation to make to patients. And so it's all about incorporating whatever your stress stress relievers are, as long as they're healthy outlets. And that's encouraging guys the making the to make the time to schedule these things, whether it's something they're doing with their partner or something that they're doing on their own. Make time for it and support their partner in making time for it as well. I think that open communication and making sure that you're going about this together is just so important because, like I said, the stress is inherent to this process. Excellent information and advice, as a matter of fact. Now, can you provide some words of hope for any man who might be struggling with infertility? Yeah, one thing I would just say is that even though male factor fertility isn't commonly discussed, that doesn't mean it's a rare condition or that nothing can be done. There's a lot of these these there's a lot of treatable forms of male factor infertility and many modalities of, of assisted reproduction that can help a guy achieve his desired family. So I understand that the evaluation can be anxiety provoking, but hopefully this, this gives a little bit of knowledge and understanding to help guys realize that the coming in, being seen, you know, hopefully it's not an embarrassing or traumatic experience. It's about just getting the information, addressing the issue, and trying to optimize their fertility potential. And, and you know, we're here. We're, we're here as reproductive specialists with the goal to help you, you achieve this, this family that you desire. Yeah, they're not alone, and you have some working information that can really be helpful to them. Well, this is such great information, Dr. Olander. Thank you so much for being with us today to share your expertise. Thank you for having me. That was Dr. Samuel Olander, a board-certified urologist here at Fertility Centers of Illinois. You can schedule an appointment to talk to a fertility specialist at 877-324-4483 or visit fcionline.com for more information. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can find more like it in our podcast library. And be sure to give us a like and a follow if you do. This has been the Time to Talk Fertility podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Howell. Have yourself a terrific day.